Welcome to the second episode of Nurse Outside the Box, and today we have the honor of talking with Percival Fisher. Percival is a licensed social worker and is currently going to nurses' school to become a nurse, and um, it's going to be very interesting to talk with him a little bit about what his plans are, and also about um, how he feels about being, of course, a male in nursing as well as an Afro-American, which is still pretty rare in nursing, so enjoy this interview with him. Have fun. Um, talking to us because uh, Percy, you have a phenomenal mission. I know um, you are a licensed social worker. You've done many years of working in in the psychiatric um, field, right? In in the social work field, and so and now now you're. At actually going to uh, go for psychiatric nurse practitioner mm -hmm. and a little bit outside the box too especially with your work with afro-american men mm -hmm. so that's why we kind of got you on here i would love to hear thank a little you. bit about so welcome first it's so oh, awesome thank to have you here. thank you for having me <laughs> yeah i know that's really exciting i know it's evening so it's a little bit late but yes so, tell us a little bit about your story um where are you coming from and why are you choosing to to now go for a psychiatric nurse practitioner i'm really curious about your story Sure. Um, well, it, well, to make a long story short, I always like to, you know, help people. I got, I got into this field because um, my family suffers, you know, from mental um, illness, you know, it's a history of family, you know, mental health. And so I kind of gotten very curious about it, you know, started from growing up and one of my aunts had suffered from mental illness. And it always was interesting just how you know, as a family, we all came together and supported her whenever she exhibited behaviors. And then my interest grew even more as I was in high school and working with um, I remember like volunteering and working like at behavioral hospitals and things like that and just I just thought I always found it interesting and fascinating um, and as I went into college I wanted to actually become a, um, a psychiatrist and so my whole big thing was is like I wanted to get my MD I wanted to become a psychiatrist and then when I have taken um, orgo chem that pretty much was it just set was at the bar I was like no that's not gonna happen <laughs> so then I changed majors from being a bio major to a psychology major and that really opened up my interest even more um, and my trajectory at the time was becoming a psychologist a PhD psychologist you know research and also doing clinical work and then when I graduated from you know from Temple you know, the, the thing is when you're in psychology, it's like you have to go out, work a couple of years, gain some research experience, and then go into grad school. Mm -hmm. So as I was working, I was working at Children's Hospital, I was working with um, trauma research at the time, and I met with a, a social worker. And my big thing was at the time I wanted to do therapy. I always found it fascinating to talk to people, see how people clicked, you know, what were the thinking, the processing and things like that. I also found that just interesting and I still do to this day. And so when I met the social worker, she said, well, have you ever thought of pursuing your master's degree first prior to getting your doctorate? And right. I said, I never thought about that. So, so then I went ahead and I went, you know, went back to school and earned my uh, master's degree in social work. Mm -hmm. And, and then my first job after that, I was actually working in outpatient mental health, um, actually in, uh, in North Philadelphia at the JFK Center. And I, I loved it there because it really gave me a, a great perspective of mental health in the community and how that looks like from people's environments. Because I worked with many people, mostly African-American, but also other minorities as well, and how culturally they viewed mental health. 
So I really had an opportunity to understand, okay, yes, from school, I know what depression and anxiety looks like and read all these different theories and things like that. But I gained more of an education from listening from people's experiences and then from their cultural perspective. Um, I remember, you know, uh, one gentleman, he was African-American, he was like in his 50s at the time, and he used to share with me like this was something that was never discussed, you know. We never discussed about men being depressed, we never discussed about, you know, men having anxieties. It was like a taboo, it was nothing ever told. And I remember um, he was very, um, uh, very self-conscious in talking to the psychiatrist at the time because he really, he had, he was diabetic but he noticed that his sugar levels was always high, but he was always very self-conscious and didn't want to, I guess, um, challenge the doctor, so to speak, because he wanted to be respectful of the doctor. The doctor was also African-American as well. And there's a level of respect there. Mm-hmm. And so um, he asked me, he was like, well, Percy, I really, I'm noticing I have like, every time I've taken this medication, I think it was Geodon at the time, he was saying that my sugar levels would always be elevated. And so I did my little research and I realized like, oh, there is a side effect of increased sugar levels while someone's taking Geodon. So I remember it was myself, my client, we all went, we went to see the psychiatrist and I advocated for my client. So that was another piece that I also like too to share with the, the psychiatrist at the time to saying, well, my client is also experiencing symptoms of elevated sugars because he's taking the geodon and he's noticing these symptoms and he presented to me and now I would like to present this to you and see if there's any alternatives. Right. And so, um, so the doctor did put him on, I forgot what medication he put, put him on, but he taken them off of geodon mm-hmm. because of the elevated sugar levels. And uh, I just really enjoyed, you know, that whole, you know, experience of being an advocate and supporting people in their, you know, their journeys in mental health. And then I did various other positions as well. I did clinical research at Drexel, working particularly um, HIV education and counseling, where I had even a broader perspective of seeing mental health from a different lens in um, the HIV community. Um, And then I went into the hospital setting and I became a medical social worker. And that's when I really started to see how the, uh, the medical aspect really uh, intertwined with the psychosocial aspect of things. And so I just really, um, I've noticed that when I worked as a medical social worker, there was a lot of things I didn't understand because I didn't have that medical background or knowledge, but I also wanted to gain that because I'm like, hmm, I wonder how these medications are affecting one's behaviors because whenever I was assigned, you know, to a patient, um, especially if it was like drugs or alcohol or if had a mental health history or if the patient needs to talk to a social worker, we would always have to do our psychosocial assessments. And sometimes some, you know, patients will share with me, well, you know, you know, sometimes I feel this certain way when I take this medication or I don't want to take this medication because it makes me feel funny. And mm-hmm. it's just fine and interesting. But I realized that as a social worker, I needed to gain more knowledge, you know, in the, in the field of medicine. And I knew I'm like, well, I don't want to become a doctor. I figure I was already kind of in my latter 20s at the time, early 30s, even though I'm, I was still young at the time. But I was like, I didn't want to invest so much time into becoming a doctor, residency and so forth, because I really wanted to kind of expedite the process to gain that knowledge and really help people, you know? And so um, to make a long story short, it, it's taken pretty much a, a decade to, to get to this point. <laughs> As I graduated with my master's in um, 2010, 
And then now we're here and I, you know, got accepted into school nursing at University of Pennsylvania. And, um, and that's my goal is my goal is to actually, you know, become a psychiatric NP and really combine my aspects of social work, psychology into nursing. Because I, the reason why I wanted to go into nursing is because when I became a medical social worker, I worked very closely with nurses, uh, nurse case managers, nurses on the floor. And I've just seen how they really provided excellent care to the patients. And I didn't realize that nurses also had that therapeutic, that counseling aspect about them, like really asking questions, just basic questions, like how's your day, how things are going, how are you feeling, how's your pain level, you know, tell me a little bit more about what's going on. And I always found that fascinating because as I was trained, you know, I thought that only, you know, social workers did that, you know, or counselors would do that. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not knowing that, you know, so going into this is and and into nursing into being a DNP, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think in terms of um, your passion for for mental health for Afro American men? How do you mm -hmm. think you want to combine the two, or um, yeah, any thoughts around that, or how you're actually doing that currently, and also how you want to move into that even more? Sure, sure. Well, you know, right now as a counselor, I actually work remotely uh, through BetterHelp. I'm one of the therapists there, and I work pretty much with a lot of African-American men. Um, and, and I really like working with that population because in my experience, a lot of African-American men don't like to talk about their mental health problems. We just want to, you know, continue moving forward. We don't want to stress people out about our, our issues. We just continue moving forward. But I noticed that a lot of the sessions that I engage in with a lot of men, um, they want to talk, but they want to talk. They want to have a space where they feel comfortable. They want to feel a, a space where they feel heard and validated. And I always felt that I always wanted to, you know, be that person that could, someone that, A, that looks like them, but also not have an agenda. I really wanted to, you know, genuinely be there and support men who look like me and give them a you know, I provide, I should say, a space where they can talk about their feelings, talk about their emotions, have the ability to cry, get angry, and have that space. And so that way they can become their authentic self, especially when I worked in the hospital setting and I, you know, witnessed, you know, a lot of men with chronic pain mm -hmm. and how they would experience the kind of pain and, and the stress that they dealt with because they have to take care of their kids. They have to work full time. They have so much things going on, but they weren't complaining. They didn't want to complain because it was like, you know, as a man, I got to take care of business. I got to take care of my family. And I was, and, and that's something honorable and respectful. But at the same time, we can't hold all those emotions in, you know, we have to have an outlet. And so that's why I really wanted to make it a mission uh, to combine my aspect of social work and nursing and, and continue to provide that space, you know, um, and, and yeah, and I also found it too that as a social worker, I was pretty much limited in my role, especially if I wanted to work in the healthcare setting. I really wanted to, you know, if, if I really wanted to, I really wanted to sit down and talk to, you know, these men and really get to the root of things and really help them navigate and, and, and get to, you know, the root of their issues and be on that journey therapeutically with them. Awesome. And I find that that's like my passion. I love it. I love it. It's amazing what you're doing. I'm, I'm curious um, kind of to wrap this up because I, I would say not more than 10 or 15 minutes, right? Yes. But, and it's already, I mean, you've given a lot of valuable information already. Um, we're going to, of course, have your um, name in here and on LinkedIn. You're also Percival Fisher. Percival Fisher. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Reach out, I assume, on social media. What would you say for those African-American men or, um, or even those nurses, African-American nurses, right, as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, who are looking right now and they're interested and they're like, wow, I, I really want to dive into a little bit further. What would you kind of, what kind of tips and advice would you give um, at this point to them or anybody who's listening? Sure, absolutely. I would say go for it. I mean, nursing is a, is a wonderful field, nursing and social work, but I really find that with nursing, it kind of incorporates a lot of the aspects of your psychosocial and, the, and also the biological aspects as well. And I always will share with them, like, we need more nurses, especially more male nurses, that we can have a great representation to help people in need in the community, in the hospital setting, and also in the meta, I should also say in the um, psychiatric community as well, because there's so very few of us, you know, especially as social workers or nurses, or even psych nurses or psych MPs. And I think it's very important that we do have a, a voice and we do have of some sense of, um, someone who looks like them that can they can go to and ask questions and feel that they're heard and feel respected and validated so i would definitely should tell them to you know come on in and and because it it's a field that can offer so much uh, opportunity yeah i love it and if there's any of uh, men who are listening to this right now or anybody actually said well i'm really curious and i want to work more with you right directly mm -hmm. uh, what would you say in terms of mental wellness mental health how can they how can they get in touch with you? How can they work with you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, ironically, I'm with Amari, and I've right now, you know, creating my platform of mental wellness. I'm also one of the therapists um, on BetterHelp, and so um, they can reach me at pfisherlcsw uh, at gmail.com. I also have a LinkedIn profile as well, my name, Percival Fisher Jr., and they can, you know, um, see me there. I also have a profile on uh, psychology today where they can also see me again, my name, Percival Fisher, and um, they can reach out to me through there. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely doing a lot of things right now in terms of uh, really building my platform and promoting mental uh, health and also mental wellness, um, particularly for African-American men, but I'm, you know, want to help everyone if I can. <laughs> No, absolutely. And that's phenomenal. Yes. So, and we'll have all those links down below and all those uh, numbers. We'll put those in the comments as well, right? So they can. They can give you. Um, one tip, one tip for somebody for tonight, like any who's listening for tonight and any terms of mental health, mental wellness, if you give one tip, right, especially right now, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of stress going on to our world, mm -hmm. what is one tip that you would give to people who are listening so they can do it tonight? Yes, absolutely. Find something that's calming, you know, find something that gives you a sense of peace, a sense of solace. And I always share this with my clients who are experiencing great anxiety, you know, do some mindfulness techniques, listen to some peaceful music, jazz, nothing that is like hardcore, something that's soft, something that is, you know, just in life will, you know, burn some incense, you know, light some candles, get you, you know, meditate, pray if you're into prayer, you know, things that help to get you in a space where you feel safe and secure. And then, you know, meditate on positive things, you know, to decompress and de-stress. And I always share that there's many different websites out there and also some apps as well to also reinforce these techniques like Headspace um, is one. Um, and there's many other um, websites I just can't recall at this moment, but there's ways that you can definitely de-stress. So that's the one tip I can share too. And also during this whole coronavirus, you know, scares, limit yourself in, in terms of watching the media, you know, because there's so much information out there. And we have to be very cautious of the information that we do receive 
And so I always, again, share with clients, you know, focus on factual information, refer to the CDC website and their tips and recommendations, but also stay away from other social media that causes one stress and anxiety. And again, focus on yourself, giving yourself, um, you know, chance to meditate and, and be in a safe space and keeping yourself calm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Percy. Can we Thank have you You're back welcome. in a couple of months? Because I was thinking as we're talking, I would love to have you back in a couple of months or even maybe a little bit longer as you continue your career and see what changes for you. So, oh, that- absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I would love to. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on tonight. I'm excited about the career and everything that you're doing in mental health, mental wellness, and yeah, the difference you're making for people in general, also for African-American men, I think. Uh, thank you so much for all your work and thank you for this interview. And- uh. Talk soon. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Take care.